Oh. I agree. Same. I don't want my face. That should be the cold open for this. Just Tom is going. No. I meant to have a sense of authority here. Oh, should I do all this in a British accent to have a greater sense of authority? Absolutely no. not. Okay. Um, I love how not supportive this friend group is. Hello, folks and friends, and welcome to How to Play Adventures in Grevlon. I am usually your tailkeeper, but today I am just Thomas Flance. I am joined uh, right now by my dear friends and inestimably lovely fellow players, the triumphant Talia Shatsky. I play Ashlinia Mirror Possum. Two G's, two P's, two S's, two M's. I'm a small fairy and a talent scout. Beautiful. I'm also joined by the keen Katie Siegel. Lenro Lindenbar. Were we saying anything else or we're just saying hi? I just have a short <laughs> What did you say? I said I'm a fairy and a talent scout. Oh, it's okay. It's all falling apart so quickly. I'm a handy- well, this is why we're telling people they don't have to listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is our least polished. Elvin, this handy person. Sets of parentheses in the title. Yes. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> the episode with ten parentheses in the title. And finally, we are joined by the superb Sam Kitts Seal. Superb is strong. Uh, uh, Paderak, uh, an elephant folk art cartographer's assistant. Yeah, that's me. There it is. Yeah. That's I our group. Peace to the camera on a podcast. For those of you listeners out I, there, <laughs> if you wanted to know me at the all, that's me. <laughs> uh, so uh, wait, this Thomas, episode, I want to, yes? I want to have a adjective for your name. Oh, the titular Thomas. The titular. Whoa. Well, so I've said what the name of, of the episode is in episode one. Are we changing the name of this episode to Thomas? Because that would yes. be That's the only in one, one of the parentheses. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so people are, are going to see the episode name and then they're going to see Thomas. a joke that doesn't occur until like five minutes into the episode. Yes. Yeah. Well, probably okay. less than five because we're probably cut out a lot of this banter. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> It'll probably be sooner. Anyway. But titillating. Titillating Ooh, is good. I like titillating. As... Titillating Thomas. Okay. Comic, we're not letting you move on. Go I, ahead, guys, titillating Thomas. This, this episode. Take it away, titillating we Thomas. We gotta move on. So, <laughs> titillating as... Thomas. Go. As Titillate you... us, Thomas. As. Okay, I was just testing if you guys were going to say it again. So. As you may know, if you have listened to episode one, this is our how to play episode so that uh, if you want to get a little bit uh, more of an understanding of how we're going to play the game for Tales from Grevlon, you can listen to this episode and learn how it's played after a couple minutes of banter. Let's Um, get crunchy. Let's get crunchy. This is the crunch zone. Um, Welcome to the crunch. Welcome to the crunch zone. This Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. (laughs) The game that we're playing, I'm not going to do a voice for this. Uh, The game that we're playing is called Adventures in Grevlon. 
uh, which is a game that is powered by Cortex Prime. Uh, now, Cortex is a multi-genre, modular, session-centered role-playing game. Uh, it's honestly more of a tool set for uh, making custom tabletop uh, games. You might be familiar with some Powered by Cortex games like Tales of Zadia, the official TTRPG for the Dragon Prince, uh, or some other Cortex-based games based on other popular worlds and stories. Uh, like Marvel Heroic Role-Playing, Leverage the Role-Playing Game, the Supernatural Role-Playing Game, and the Battlestar Galactica Role-Playing Game. Wait, is Leverage like Leverage Redemption? The TV show about the heists? Uh, it yeah. came out before Leverage Redemption during the original run uh, of But it is uh, about Leverage. that? It's about heists? It, 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 yes, it, it is about that heist. How are we, we should play that. about this for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> we need to play that. I should have led with this. Stop recording. We need to go play this right now. (laughs) We've been playing Dungeons and Dragons. And we could have been playing the Leverage game. I learned basically everything I know about how to play and run Cortex from the video How to Play Cortex Prime uh, from the Dungeon Noobs Guide on YouTube. Uh, We'll link it in the uh, description of the podcast. So uh, because Cortex is a uh, tool set, uh, our show, uh, Tales from Grevlon, uses a basically original system using the uh, tools within Cortex Prime, uh, created by me with input from our players and from my dearest and oldest creative partner, Leo Lyon. Woo! Woo! Leo also created the character sheets. We might have the character's character sheets linked below. We might have just a blank character sheet linked below, but you can check it out. The basic information should all be there. Yeah, if we decide not to do that, We'll just edit this yeah. part out. We'll just edit this part <laughs> out. Exactly. Great. We'll fix it in post. So as a very brief overview, and, and if you've listened to one of our episodes, you've heard this uh, spiel a little bit before. Uh, the way roles in our game work is that I set a difficulty for the character by creating a pool of multiple dice based on the difficulty of the challenge. Then our players assemble a dice pool of their own and attempt to beat the challenge as effectively as possible. This kind of differs from something like Dungeons & Dragons or Powered by the Apocalypse, where you roll uh, a certain number of dice and add a modifier to this. In this case, it's just uh, straight-up pools of dice. Now, when you guys hear the word pool, what first comes to your mind? Spoon. Swimming. I imagine a big Scrooge McDuck vault. Whoa. This is like a, what's the ink splotch test called? I feel like this is giving us a lot of insight on everyone's the stuff. A big Rorschach Yeah, they're Rorschach. Yeah. yeah. So when you say pool of dice, it's it's not like a Scrooge McDuck in a pool of, like swimming in a pool of actual dice. It's like a small handful of dice, multiple yeah, die. a little collection. A little um, collection of die. What do you call a of group of, of dice? Dice. I don't, that's boring. That's not fun. A dice pool, perhaps. Dice. Uh, we'll workshop it. So you, listener, might be familiar with a typical D&D dice set, or you might not. Um, that set typically has seven dice, but uh, Cortex only uses five sizes of dice. The four-sided die, or the D4. The six-sided die, or the D6. The eight-sided die, or the D8. The ten-sided die, or the D10 and the 12-sided die, or the d12. That's just kind of the the very, very bare-bones basics. We're going to get a little bit more into how you would put together a dice pool uh, a little bit later on. Uh, but for the time being, we're going to talk a little bit about characters, because what is a improvised role-playing game podcast without its characters? Just it's just a Thomas. guy telling a story. Yeah, yeah, Thomas just, talking into a mic. It's just a dude. And speaking of which, Katie, you want to introduce your character? <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. That's, Dahlia that's... really just desperately doesn't want to go first for the first time in this podcast. 
That's also not where we're at. So while Cortex offers a wide variety of traits for you to use for your characters, we are using three uh, pretty baseline ones from the Cortex game. Starting with distinctions. These are, uh, at least for me who's played mostly Dungeons & Dragons, a really interesting kind of trait. These are short little abstract words or taglines that describe your character. For example, for those of you who have listened to Dear Lesphira before, the host, Lesphira, might have a distinction that is just the phrase, constant bookworm. She loves her books. Isn't that right, Katie? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a really awkward throw. I'll never do that again. And so that is just a very general phrase. Uh, each character is going to have three of these kind of abstract phrases that can be applied to any number of situations, potentially. Another potential distinction for someone with more of like a mechanic build might be something from the Cortex book, the world is my workshop. Again, this is abstract. There's, there's no real specific definition to that because it can be used in a wide variety of different situations. It's open to interpretation. It's up to interpretation, exactly. Beautiful. Then you beautiful. have Thank your... You. Sorry? I heard Sam could say beautiful. Just... And I didn't oh, know okay. who he was talking to, but I took the compliment. <laughs> I was I, just saying I, it's a beautiful way to put it. Oh, so it was for me. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Wait, let me get it clean. Thank you. Along with distinctions are a trait called attributes. These are general aspects of your character. Their raw ability, prowess, and effort. In something like Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder, this might be strength, constitution, charisma, wisdom, intelligence, dexterity. In our game, there are uh, five, uh, which kind of fit the more whimsical fantasy setting of Grevlon. Agility, brains, brawn, charm, and heart. Kind of typical qualities of a hero. My mom has all these qualities, and she's my hero. Uh, so does my mom. She's my hero, too. Really Why did you say that so defensively? Are our yeah, moms going to fight? Are our moms going to fight? <laughs> yeah, I, I love my mom, too. I wasn't implying my that everyone great. else didn't love their mom. I was going to do a bit and say my mom's bad and be different, but I can't slander her like that on national television. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom, Wait. where do you think we are right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see? <laughs> yes. And the third trait is skills. These are more specific aspects of, of your character. Things like natural talent, things representing your training or experience, uh, which are, just to run through them very quickly, craft, fight, fix, focus, influence, know, move, notice, operate, perform, sneak, survive, throw, trick. You might notice these are all worded as verbs, which is recommended by Cortex as a way to remember pretty quickly what skills ought to do. You need to be able to move quickly, you use the move skill. You need to be able to know something about a magical creature, you use the know skill. I wanted eat, but I was overruled. Eat would be good. It's also very fun Wait, to use Where were you when I was eat. trying to add eat? Yeet would have been amazing. Yeet would have been really funny. Yeet would have actually been Can we really replace good. throw with yeet? Honestly? Um, yeah. I would like to do a yeet roll. I'd like this game to survive the test of time. <laughs> when uh, our players were building their characters, they had to assign values to these different traits. All of their distinctions started at a D8 value. 
Their attributes were split between uh, 3d8s and 2d6s, and then they had an array of d8s, d6s, and d4s to fill out their skills. We'll get into what that means specifically in a little bit. Characters also have uh, additional circumstantial bonuses. Uh, For one are specialties, which are worth a d6. These are basically specific abilities that don't have a specific skill attached to them already. For example, Lenrol um, has a specialty with tools. Now, there is a fixed skill, but if Lenrol is doing something with tools, whether or not that has to do with fixing, he's going to get an extra d6. So these are little circumstantial bonuses that kind of flesh out your character's abilities uh, besides how they're represented on the sheet already. Additionally, uh, all characters get a signature asset. This is uh, something like Aang's airbending uh, staff slash glider. This is like Sokka's boomerang. I'm only going to use Avatar The Last Airbender examples, I guess. Uh, I was expecting you to go somewhere else. I also thought I was too, but I could only think of the boomerang. This is like Callum's cube in The Dragon Prince. This is like Ross saying we were on a break. No, not really. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is like Vin's earring in the Mistborn trilogy. There we go. That's a reference just for me. Hey, a little bit me. And a little bit Sam Kit. Characters also get some additional extra abilities. Uh, for example, they all get talents. These are just kind of circumstantial benefits that are activated by a particular thing. One example the Cortex books gives is uh, the talent Hopeless Romantic, where a player can introduce um, a uh, past partner, and that player then gets an extra die to roll when interacting with that character, but... The uh, game master, or in our case, tailkeeper, would get an extra D8 to use against them as that character. On top of that, there are special effects attached to your distinctions. The general logic for this is you get something in exchange for something else. One resource we haven't discussed just yet, but we're about to, are plot points. These are basically a abstract resource that the players and the tailkeeper can use to activate certain bonuses or do specific things. One pretty standard kind of special effect is you gain a plot point for some downside, or you spend a plot point for some sort of benefit. It's like Sokka's boomerang in Avatar The Last Airbender. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So true. No, but... Uh, I tried. One of the suggested distinctions uh, in the Cortex book is one called Out of Stock, where if the player who has this special effect declares that they don't have the tools that they need to make or repair something, when someone's asking you to do that right now, you gain a plot point. Uh, You basically hinder yourself in the story and gain a plot point. Um, Which brings us to the other special effect that every single distinction has, which is to hinder. This basically means you can take the baseline D8 that all the distinctions are and drop that down to a D4. So in exchange for a higher chance at rolling a one and a lower chance at rolling a high number, you can gain a plot point when you use a distinction that might not fit the setting. As an example, if Ash is trying to give someone the cold shoulder... She might use her connection seeker distinction, but hinder that. She's not seeking a connection right now. She's trying to push someone away. I would never, first of all. 
But that does make sense. Yes. And uh, finally, a little uh, further description of plot points. Our players for Adventures in Grevlon start off each session with one plot point, just so that they can do some more uh, fun things with them if they wish to. But also... Players can earn plot points through other ways. For example, using a special effect that grants them a plot point. If they're in a contest against another player or against a non-player character, if they decide to give in to the contest rather than trying to fight it, they can get a plot point. Or they can get a plot point from rolling a hit, which is a roll of a one on any die. They don't automatically get a plot point from doing that. However, I can choose to give them a complication, which is a die that I get to roll against them when they roll, at which point I give them a plot point in exchange. There's a bunch of different things that plot points can do, such as activate a special effect or share an asset with another character or create a temporary asset just for one scene. And we might bring up a, a, another way or two that you can spend a plot point during this episode. But now we're going to talk a little bit about how to build a role. Very fun. So, like I said before, the tailkeeper will create a dice pool based on the difficulty. And why don't we actually uh, do a mock roll here? Uh, oh my god, let's... I put my dice away, and I was like, as soon as I did it, I was like, I feel like Fool. we're gonna... Wait, 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 who, 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 still, who still has dice out? Talia does. Me, Talia does. We're gonna have, have one person roll, and that person's gonna be Talia. Yes. Katie, can you give me a uh, situation that Ash might be in, in a game of Adventures in Grevlon? Absolutely, coming right up. I think that Ash <laughs> is at, uh, at the at the beach... Mm -hmm. Um, Ash is at the beach uh, trying to represent some mermaids. Okay. Let's say that the conflict is that right now Ash gets, uh, is, is currently risking being swept away by the strong ocean winds. Ooh, mm -hmm. very good. Um, okay. Okay. So this sounds like a, uh, difficult situation. The winds are strong today. And so I'm going to build my die pool. This sounds like actually a pretty high stakes, kind of tough situation to deal with. So baseline, I'm going to roll two d8s in my dice pool. So Thomas just kind of like based on the situation, goes off decides the dome the and decides the difficulty and how, what, the same what way dice as, uh, dice. a DM would decide a, the DC. The DC exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Thomas can kind of make it as hard as he wants to. So if he really doesn't want us to do something, he'll just pick two d twelves and I, like a. I fully could. If we've been like really mean to Thomas during the yeah. session, which is uh, not abnormal. Always. Which which always. which reminds me, I'll add a d twelve to no. Um, what did we do? Uh, and that's part of what makes this a a collaborative game is that I don't want to see them lose necessarily. So. It's going to be 2d8s, but then let's add in uh, a little bit more uh, difficulty here, which is that the mermaids just baseline aren't really paying that much attention to what Ash is saying. She's just come up and approached them. Uh, so that's going to be an additional d6 to this difficulty. Lenroll is flirting with the mermaids, so they're kind of distracted. Totally. Lenroll's actually flirting with a walrus and can't tell the difference. <laughs> How dare you! Manatee, that's the right, Manatee. not walrus. Manatee is probably the right. I, I, walrus yeah. is funnier. Oh. Manatee. I could also potentially modify this. Let's say that Ash has a complication. Maybe earlier on, she injured her wing doing some other task. So that's going to make it harder for her to resist uh, being blown away by the wind. So when she was I trying would... to represent a walrus 
and exactly it hit her. I would have uh, assigned the uh, die value of the complication when I uh, gave the complication earlier, but let's just call it a d6 for now. So that is my dice pool that I'm going to be rolling. This is fascinating. I just rolled two hitches. Now, one of the special properties of hitches is that you cannot include them in your total. No matter how many dice you rolled... Which is a natural one. Yes. I don't know if a, we've... Yeah, a, a hitch is a, a roll of one on any of the dice. So because I have two hitches here, uh, both on my D6s, uh, funnily enough. That is funny. Snake eyes. Those dice just don't count. They get taken out. However, if Ash has a plot point, she has a complication, this, this uh, injured wing. She could spend a plot point to reduce that uh, complication down one die size. Because you've hitched. Because I, the tailkeeper, have hitched. Exactly. And so on my two d8s that are left, I've rolled a nine difficulty, a four and a five. And so now Ash is going to create a dice pool uh, in order to beat this difficulty. I'm going to um, really go through uh, how to build a pool as a player. Uh, so if we have the character sheet as a reference, feel free to use it as a physical Follow along at home. Follow along at home as a visual. To start off with the distinction, I would look at my three distinctions and see which option would work best for this specific challenge, which is fighting against the wind. I wanted to try to put my my special effect there, but if that's not the challenge, then I can't really use. I would say maybe quick to speak would be the most appropriate distinction as I'm trying to maybe before I get blown away, just like, insert myself as much as I can to this situation. Yeah. So it would be a D8. Moving down attribute, agility makes the most sense. Movement, another D8. And for skill, I would say move would be the most appropriate. Trying to fight. Actually, let's make it more interesting. Survive. Trying to (laughs) fight against the wind. They're both D6s, but just for flavor more fun mm-hmm. just for flavor and we could survive and now uh she she would go through her other abilities to see if there's anything uh that is applicable here um i am a winged creature i am trying to fight the wind th- in the air i would say maybe my fairy magic specialty which is a fun specialty that i get as a fairy might apply to this situation. i would accept that yeah great um it's always important to get your uh tailkeeper's acceptance <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so now I have my dice pool, and I also hitched. All right. Ooh. So I could give her a plot point right now and give her a, a, a complication or step up a complication that she has. I think I'm going to step up your injured wing complication to a D8. I don't know why I'm writing this. This is fake. <laughs> uh, so similar to <laughs> the tailkeeper's hitches, my hitches don't count in my dice pool, so I'm removing that. Now I have three dice to work with. From these three dice, I'm going to pick one of them to be what's called an effect die. Thomas, do you want to explain um, what that is a bit more? No, uh, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're killing I don't it. Know how to I mean, explain you know, effect I, die. I, I have a little spiel for this. Should I just say what my total is and then you want to explain what that is? Yeah, totally. So with my three remaining die, I rolled a four on my d6, a six on my d8, and a five on my second d8 because I hitched on my d6. Which brings us to a 10 using a D8 and a D6 with a remaining D8 effect die. So when you are rolling, uh, regardless of how many dice you have in your pool, your result will only be made up of 
two dice. That's why Talia rolled what could have been a, a 15 if you were adding all of them together, but is only a 10 because you only choose two dice. That third die that she mentioned, the effect die, uh, basically just determines how uh, well you succeed. The bigger the die size, the more you succeed, and the more the narrative kind of uh, reigns of the results uh, get handed over to you. And it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to succeed with a lower effect die, or I guess that's the most important thing you want to do, is make sure you succeed with the lower effect die. Definitely. And if she had beaten the difficulty by five or more, this would have been something called a heroic success, in which I hand all of the reins of the story to her for a time being, and she just gets to narrate what occurs. One way she could have actually achieved that with, with this particular set of, of results would have been to spend a plot point. One of the things you can do with a plot point is you can include more results from your role. So she could have had no effect die, um, but gotten up to a heroic success by spending a plot point. Do you want to talk about maxing out? Yes. So in addition to hitching, which is where you roll the uh, lowest possible value, uh, we have a, a special kind of homebrew modification for when you roll the highest value. Because I missed critting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> for you D&D people out feeling. there. Critting is I great. I critting. So in Adventures in Grevlon, if you roll two of your dice at their highest value, you get to roll the uh, smallest die again and add that to your total. Uh, so for example, if you roll two D8s and a D6, and one of the D8s and the D6 come up as an eight and a six, you get to uh, roll that six and add that number to the six. So you could roll that D6 and get a three, and that D6 now counts as a nine. Because six plus three is nine. Precisely. Quick maths. That was in her head. That was in my head. I, yeah, just that was in her head. no no calculators in sight. I'm no holding up my hands. No calculator up my sleeve. Incredible. Incredible. I like the idea that you said no calculator in sight and then counted on your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't count on my fingers. Now that we've kind of gone over the uh, basics and more specifics of creating a role, uh, as well as some of the mechanics of the game, uh, we're going to go over our character sheets. We're going to get little tours from each of the players. Uh, and we're going to start with the brilliant mind that started this all, who uh, brought Lysphira into this world, and then her brother Lenrol. Uh, Katie, why don't you bring us through Lenrol's character sheet? I was—I don't know if you guys had the genuine confusion in my eyes because I just automatically assumed you were going to start with Talia because you always do. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> so then you started and then I talking, heard and I was like, mind "Wait, who, who are we talking this? about?" I am the mastermind behind. I guess this. Talia. I guess we all had a part in creating this. Yeah, sure. I'd say Talia. <laughs> I was the last to listen to Dearless Fear. <laughs> 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 I support my friends. <laughs> In time, in your own time. <laughs> yeah. In my own time. Um, yeah, let's talk us let's through a tour of the sheet. Yeah, talk us through what the deal is with Lenrol, Harrison, Avenant, Ilmadia, Lindenbar. Up at the top, we have a, a cursor <laughs> parking lot. Um, excuse you, the cursor parking lot is in the bottom right corner, <laughs> okay. and Thomas is not in it. <laughs> I, I, Thomas, I never respect. I, Parking I rules. said, I'm going to park at the end of each of your names, and I stuck to that promise. He did. I don't like it. I don't like park it. I'd rather you be in the parking lot. lot. That's what the parking lot is. Or we're going to have to give you a ticket. I'm in the, I'm in the parking lot now. 
Hey, MTV, welcome to my character sheet. Hi, MTV. <laughs> so at the top, we have my character's name, Lenroll Lindenbar. That's me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be serious. <clears throat> All right, so first up, we have our uh, distinctions. So, it, you know, here it reminds me that distinctions are uh, D8 or a D4 and a plot point if I decide to hinder myself. So my three distinctions are called Everyone's Neighbor, World Wired, and Leap Before I Look. So some of these have special effects and some of them don't. So everyone's neighbor doesn't really have anything attached to it. It's kind of just like a general. I've been tending to use it when I'm just trying to be friendly with someone or get someone to trust me. I can't think of specifics when I've used it, but I feel like that's the general vibe of it is, you know, being neighborly, being friendly. Uh, people tend to uh, view Lenroll as friendly and someone that you possibly feel comfortable talking to. Yeah. Um, Worldwide, Lenroll is a traveling handy person. He has a lot of Grevlon left to see, but he has also seen a lot of Grevlon. So knowing that, he has a lot of knowledge of Grevlon, uh, which works out well because I invented Grevlon. So that ties together <laughs> very well. <laughs> my Lenroll is like my player, the inventor of Grevlon. <laughs> Won't be very pleased to hear about this. So I do have a special effect for World Wired, which is I can spend one plot point to have previous knowledge about the world that could have been gained from years of travel. So if we're in a situation where I we need information about something, I can use this distinction and spend a plot point to have knowledge about that thing. It's sort of like the equivalent of doing like a history check for D&D. So I'm really sorry if any of you are coming from any other TTRPGs and we keep comparing it to D&D. But if we feel like the odds are. Yeah. The odds no, are. We, we got and a, that's a also huge, just what we know best. We've got a huge fan base of GURPS players. <laughs> I also have a hinder for World Wired, which we don't really like hinders don't really have definitions, but I did kind of give definitions to my hinder just to help me remember that I can hinder myself and like recognize that situation when it comes up. So for World Wired, a situation where I could choose to hinder myself would be when I am doing something that I've never done before. And again, these all come up when we're doing roles. So if I'm doing a role that involves me doing something that I've never done before, I could choose to hinder myself which would mean, of course, that I roll a d4 uh, instead of a d8, but I do get a plot point. Um, and again, it's just another way to, you know, help tell a fun and interesting story uh, and get some sweet, sweet plot points. Yeah. Love, love plot points. So I'm going to go faster because I feel like I'm taking forever. So my third distinction is called Leap Before I Look, and my special effect is when you complicate the situation by taking action without thinking, you may reroll your dice pool and try again. You must keep the result of this new roll. If you succeed, step up your effect die by one. If you fail again, step up any stress you take. And my hinder for Leap Before I Look that I can choose to do is hesitate. So basically, I'm rewarded if I complicate the situation by taking action without thinking, and I am hindered if I don't think. Because, you know, Lenroll, he kind of leaps before he looks. That is literally what it's called. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. why he has it. You're great. You're killing it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sweating a little bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's move on to attributes. Thomas, get back to the parking lot. I'm so <laughs> Thomas, stay in the parking lot. Um, stay in your lane, Thomas. You're drifting. Let's move on to attributes. So we get, again, we get three D8s and two D6s, and we have one, two, three, four, five attributes. 
<laughs> no calculators up my sleeve, folks. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I broke Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way you said we get 3d8s and 2d6s and we and we have one two three four needing so my 3d8s are like <laughs> sorry leave me alone my 3d8s are agility brawn and heart and my 2d6s are brains and charm because he's a little bit of a himbo, and I needed to pick another D6. <laughs> and we needed someone to have a D8 in brawn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for skills, I'm not going to go through every single one, but I'll just give some examples of some of my D8s and my D4s, which are my best skills and my worst skills. So uh, my two D8s are craft and fix, which I think you can figure out makes sense for Lenroll, the professional handy person. Um, and then a couple of my D4s are uh, notice and focus. You know, noticing things and focusing on things aren't a strong suit, but we love them. Uh, my specialties, climbing, comfort, tools. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> no calculator on sight, guys. That thing up my sleeve. <laughs> Let's move over to signature asset. Signature asset. Uh, Lenroll's signature asset is his hammer staff. It is a hammer that turns into a staff. Uh, its asset power is that it's a hammer and a staff. <laughs> <laughs> and now if... I'm just like filling out this outline that was given to me on this sheet, yeah. and I was just like, I don't know. It's a hammer, this and is... then it's a that, staff. That what more is there. there to say? Uh, now, avid listeners of Dealsira may remember that Lenrel has a wrench that turns into a sword. <laughs> We're giving the lore. Um, uh, and if you listen to episode one, you'll find out what happens to that. Yeah. Um, the behind-the-scenes look into that was just that I didn't want a sword. Yeah. So I just basically retconned it, uh, but not really because we did make a narrative. Thomas made a very fun narrative reason for why we retconned it. Um, so my hammer staff is a D8. So that means that if I am doing something that involves my hammer staff and I'm doing a roll for it, I can add that D8 to my dice pool. My talent that I have, if you want to create a distraction, your allies gain a D8 asset to attempting to move without being noticed. However, you gain a D8 complication associated with your distraction efforts. If I ever want to create a distraction so that my party members can try to accomplish something, I can do that and my party members, my allies, will gain a D8 asset to their role um, with whatever they're trying to do while I distract. However, by doing so, I gain a D8 complication associated with my distraction efforts. So, you know, Thomas could decide, you know, I'm trying to distract a herd of frizzy bees while my allies are trying to steal honey from the frizzy beehive. So Thomas could say, okay, so your allies now gain a D8 asset to their role. But now Lenroll has a D8 complication being stung by a bunch of frizzy bees. Yeah, exactly. I'm coming for your job, Thomas. Oh, and then that's everything. The rest is yeah. just where I keep my plot points and where Thomas has their cursor, which is good. Because that's where it should be. <laughs> yeah. The cursor parking lot. Thank you for the tour. Thank you for inviting me into your character Thank sheet. you for coming. Wow, what a wonderfully yeah. would you like any? Place. Would you like something to drink? I actually, you know what? If you could like make like a, a cortado, that would actually be pretty cool. Okay, Thomas, we actually have to keep it moving. So why did you go into your Chad accent? You went into your Chad accent. <laughs> did I? I don't know if you did it personally, but you went into your Chad. You know, I would really love a cortado. I, I would love a cortado, <laughs> love a cortado actually. Cortado. 
Next up to uh, give us a little tour of their character sheet, Ashalinia Mara Gingle Possum. Uh, Talia, do you want to give us a little tour of this character sheet? Sure, of course. My last name is spelled with two G's, two P's, two S's, and two M's. Which you would see if you're looking at the character sheet. At the character mm-hmm. sheet. Or if you've listened um, to the podcast. Yeah, uh, I say it every other minute. <laughs> uh, Ash is uh, a real mouth more than a person. Um, and my distinctions, I think, reflect that. So my first distinction is being a connection seeker. Um, she just really likes making friends, basically. Um, whether or not they want to be friends with her. And the special effect for that is that when I interact with a TKC, which is a tailkeeper character for the first time, um, and I have to roll, I can spend a plot point and add an additional d6 to that dice pool, which is quite fun. Another distinction I have is quick to speak. She likes, uh, as mentioned in this example earlier in this episode, she really likes butting herself in as much as possible <laughs> to a fault. And then the last one is I always see the silver lining. She is a big optimist. She is a big, the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. Not a because glass half she's full. Small. She's small. She's also small. She's a fairy. <laughs> The special effect that is tied to that distinction is that when I roll a hitch, which is a one on a die, I can re-roll the die step down by one. So a d8 turns to a d6, a d6 turns to a d4, but then I hitch it on ones and twos. So high risk, high reward. My attributes, uh, my maxed out attributes are agility. She's a a small, quick fairy. Charm and heart. I think both of those make way more sense for someone like Ash than brains and brawn. She's a lot, like I said, a lot of voice, a lot of emotions, not a lot of brain, and not a lot of muscle. We're all dum dums. <laughs> We're all dum dums, but We're in all the best a little way. bit dum dums. Um, her two maxed out skills are influence and notice. She yeah, she tries to push people to be the best that they can be, and to do that, I think she has to notice what they're good at, and then also convince them to follow her lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's really bad at fixing things. She's really bad at crafting things. She's really bad at anything with her hands. Um, we're like and she's also not the best liar. We're, we are opposites. We balance each other out very well. Wow. I, I love think. that for us. Aww. Yeah. I know, we're cute. Ash, I think, has very fun specialty, starting with fairy magic, which doesn't really apply to any specific situation except when she's being extra sparkly, basically. and that's a d6 uh her other two specialties are way more geared towards her chosen career path which is publicity if she's ever trying to market something or someone and documentation which is if she's ever trying to remember something on in written form basically she she always carries around a golf pencil if you've listened to the episodes you know (laughs) if you know you know if you know you know um if you're a golf pencil girly what up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, her signature asset is something that my friend katie came up with which is a roly-poly dex i came up with the roly-poly dex you came up with the name you came up with the roly-poly dex yeah i didn't know that i mean i must have at one point (laughs) you came up with roly-poly dex and thomas said no and katie and talia (laughs) both said yes <laughs> wow, what a tale I, of strife and, and conflict. I think Katie suggested Rolodex, and I said no Roly Poly Dex at the same time Katie oh, came up with that. Happened. No, I, I, we give credit I mean, to Katie. Katie. I really don't think it was me, you guys. I think I'm going to give you the credit. I think I said Rolodex. Yeah, let's give Katie the credit. I'll, I, I'll take it. You'll take it. Um, <laughs> for all of our uh, Gen Zers out there, a Rolodex. 
is an old-fashioned organizational system for remembering contacts um, But in Actually, this very, very magical land that we live in, it is a role of politics. And then my talent, like I said, Ash is a, a optimist at heart. She's a big supporter of her friends, even when they don't think that they deserve the support. And so my talent is called Pep Up Pow. And uh, any playable character that is not you rolls a hitch on a roll using tart or charm. That player that rolled the hitch can take a plot point with a stepped down complication, and then I take a complication to charm. So it's kind of like taking the brunt of uh, force off an ally, a friend, helping them out in a bad situation when they hitch on heart or charm. And that's me. Amazing. Thank you for welcoming us into your home. Do you have any cortados, bro? Do you have any cortados? Yeah. Uh, do you have any uh, prime water? What is prime what water? Is pro- hey, guys, we got to keep like the moving. new we energy keep drink. Moving. Hey, Sam Kit, we got to <laughs> get this moving. <laughs> Finally, we go over to Sam Kit. Uh, tell us a little bit about Patarak's whole deal. For sure. Um, so Patarak, like everyone else, has three distinctions. His first is the distinction calloused right hand, um, because Patarak has almost always been second in command or lower. To this effect, the hinder for this is when Patarak has to be in charge of a situation, which actually comes up a it lot. It happens a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> You have some folks that really don't take charge with you, except for Ash. No. <laughs> okay, so just me. <laughs> just literal. <laughs> it really is. I honestly, I think Thomas that's true, is just though. calling out. We've, literal I here. mean, like people behind the screen. I think we already like alluded to this, but we've already recorded a few episodes, and I think it is like every time you've hindered yourself with a distinction, it, it's because it was just Patarak and Lenroll together. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, but. Patarak does have a special effect on Cal's right hand, um, and it reads, when you're helping out someone in charge with the no skill, you can step down the no skill by one level of die and add a d6 to your whole die pool. Uh, His other two distinctions are everywhere is home and follow my inner compass. Patarak is a R cartographer, so he has a lot of knowledge of geography and has a strong inner compass. Inner Compass was my uh, idea. That one I remember. Yeah. That that's true. That one Inner I remember. Compass was definitely yeah. Katie. Holy holy decks. Yeah. I still am not sure about. So in his attributes, Patarak has a D6 for agility and brawn, because he's not the most mobile or strong, but has a D8 for heart, brains, and charm. Um in his skills, he is has a D8 to focus and a D8 to know. Um being sort of the brains of the group but not really, and has a D4 to fight, fix, and move, as well as throw and trick. We have a um, bunch of bad liars in this group. We're, all, we're just we're, too We're honest. very honest people. Yeah. Here's the thing. None of us have ever reason to lie. Yeah. Ash genuinely believes what she's thinking. Uh, Len doesn't care, and Patarek <laughs> is too scared to say anything. <laughs> Patarek is too scared to lie. To lie, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I, it's like um, it, we're not honest necessarily because we're like amazing people. No. We're just <laughs> honest for we're our We're little own. scaredy cats. Yeah. Well, at least uh, Patrick's a little scaredy cat. I was a little scaredy cat. Lenroll doesn't really care. He'll say what's up. And Ash believes everything she hears, including things she says herself. <laughs> <laughs> Ash believes that everything she thinks should be said. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Patrick has two specialties, art cartography and arcane arts. Um, 
when he went to school with Lenoral at Wessels. He studied art cartography and with it, arcane arts. Um, he has a signature asset, uh, which is his lasso from his hydro wrangling days. That's a D8 for anyone wondering. I was. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was also really curious. And titillated. And titillated. Titillating Thomas. Titillating Thomas. And Thomas at it again. Hey, Paderak, do you have any talents? I do. Um, Paderak has a talent, um, which is take the high road or making peace. Um, when he's confronted with the threat of violence, he can step in and attempt to roll to bring about a peaceful resolution. Whether the roll succeeds or fails, uh, Paderak will gain a D8 complication. And that's Paderak's little house, little Thank character. Thank you for sheet. inviting me in. I would I love a Cortado if you're here. offering anything. I would I actually like also this. love no a Cortado. Cortado. This bit is bad. Absolutely. I'll take <laughs> a sparkling water. So uh, those are our character sheets. Uh, things can and will change about this as our characters grow. There's no reason why their distinctions have to stay the same. Oh, word. Your favorite sitcom characters grow and change, uh, as will our characters. Will our characters be your favorite sitcom characters also? Yes. Maybe. We'll see. I hope so. I'm going to be the Ross of Grevlon. Oh, please don't. <laughs> please don't be. Just kidding. I would never. In uh, addition to distinctions possibly changing or increasing in die size, as might their attributes and skills as they gain new skills and grow as characters, they may gain new signature assets, lose old ones, uh, and maybe change talents. We'll see. And also, another note, some of these things may not come up over an entire season. A lot of these are like circumstantial benefits like special effects and talents. So there's a chance that this was the only time we mentioned a talent this entire season. Or we use talents every episode. Or every we episode. Hind use hinders every or we episode. Use hinders every episode. <laughs> Paderak always hindered. Okay, so did that, did that, did that, did that, did that, did that, did that. Just a reminder, you don't have to listen to this. If you're still listening to this, just a reminder... You can we stop. We actually encourage you against it. We're discouraging you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you probably shouldn't listen but to this. But if you made it this far, I want to gift you something that will uh, make more sense in episode four, which is one word. Rutabaga. Just sit on that. Have you recorded That's episode four? Vegetable. Is that what we did today? <laughs> no, no, we, we did episode it. three today. <laughs> <gasps> so now you have to write a prompt with Rutabaga in it. Do you it already have Rutabaga planned, forget. or are you just... No, are... no, they already do. This was me making a joke, like like a little ARG uh, Easter egg for people who, who finished the episode. But now you have to do it, or else people will get mad yeah, there's no Rutabaga. Okay, in episode four, I promise Rutabaga will be said once, at least. We're, we're not and recording episode four for me. like a month. <laughs> I'm making my file for episode four right now, and I'm it's going... going to have one word in it. <laughs> just big, giant letters across the top. Rutabaga. Rutabaga. You know why. Um, I've written Rutabaga, episode zero, ARG. And I will remember this, but that's a little hint uh, for you listeners who've made it this far. Rutabaga. And also... Thank you for listening. Thank you. I, Thank I, you for not letting Talia discourage you from listening. Yes. You're welcome. She really she didn't want people to listen this. to this. No one listened to this. I'll know if you do. <laughs> and she will find she you. She will find you. Yeah, I'm incredibly excited about this show. Uh, we have a lot of really fun things 
in store for you all. A lot of fun adventures. <laughs> the rutabaga. <laughs> not, not least of which is the rutabaga. And so thank you for listening to, to this episode. And thank you for listening to Tales from Grevlon. And I hope you enjoy. Yay! Thomas, what if I was just like, actually, there's no rutabaga in Grevlon. (laughs) Well, it would be someone named rutabaga then. Should I stop uh, recording? Also, go by uh, Charlotte Isles is not a detective. Yeah, you can stop recording. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>